Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Uh, today we have a special guest, the chief of police has, has joined us, uh, which is amazing to have because, you know, we were just talking about this before we started recording, uh, Corey, uh, Darling and I, uh, about how um, the troops at the bottom consistently, as, as much as I hear all the time, is the guys at the top don't understand us, they don't get us. So today we have that, uh, we have that privilege to talk, to talk to one of the guys at the very top. Um, so, uh, Corey, thanks for being here. Uh, I know we've got a lot to talk about today. I, I was reading through what you what you wrote to me about your policing career. You, we mentioned this before. You started policing when I was one. Uh, not to not to bring age into anything, but it just shows the experience that you have. You know, you've been policing since 1988. Uh, so yeah, as I like to do, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, you know, where you police, and that, and um, and then we'll kind of go from there and talk about burnout and how we can help prevent burnout in society as well as you know in the troops yeah no hey thanks a lot chris i really appreciate that uh really appreciate you making me feel old as well you know holy cow <laughs> yeah so 34 years uh in policing uh and it's been it's been a tremendous ride it's been a fantastic ride um and i just really i want to say thank you for what you're doing here because we're actually talking about some pretty serious issues and there's a lot of a uh, lot of law enforcement agencies that just don't want to talk about this you know, they want to push it off in a corner and think it doesn't exist. And it really does. Right. So um, 34 years in law enforcement started out in patrol uh, like most people do. You know, I'm pushing a patrol car. I'm in uniform and answering calls for service. You know, the, the domestics, the assaults, the rapes, the burglaries. But then you're also answering the barking dogs, the trees growing over my fence. Hey, can you help me get my kid out of bed to go to school? You know. All that shit is what you deal with on a daily basis. Um, spent 16 years on the SWAT team. Started out as a grunt driving vehicles, uh, fetching equipment. And I really wanted to work my way onto the entry team. So, uh, and for us, the entry team, that's, that's the team that makes the initial assault, right? We breach the door, we go in, we get the bad guy, we secure the, the residence or the building for the search warrants and the dope teams and things. And, um, that's what was really driving me. That's what I wanted to do. So work my way onto the entry team, uh, work my way up the stick to the number one guy, uh, and then took over as the entry team leader, which was fantastic because you get to, to run and make choices and decisions right on the, on the spot. Um, later in my career on the SWAT team, I had the opportunity to, I knew I was going to be able to take over as the SWAT team commander. And there was one position that I really didn't know much about, and that was the sniper position or marksman observer position. So um, I put in my papers to go to sniper school. I was accepted. I went through. I graduated. I'm not sure exactly how. Um, that that It kicked my ass. It was a hard school. So I deployed as a sniper for a, a period of time, and then I took over as the team commander. And for us, uh, SWAT is an ad hoc team, Right. Um, it's not a full-time position. So you're, you're running patrol, you're doing SWAT, or you're in investigations doing SWAT. Um, but that was one of my ad hoc positions. Um, also got to be a firearms instructor, uh, integrated use of force instructor, was a field training officer, and I got to uh, teach SWAT tactics at our basic uh, SWAT school academy. Um, as I progressed in my career, um, got involved in our investigative unit, was promoted to detective, uh, eventually uh, worked out a detective assignment into a sergeant position, uh, lieutenant, and then my final assignment before 
I left, my initial agency was uh, captain. And we have three divisions in our agency. We have the patrol division, investigative division, and then professional standards uh, training division. Um, I got to work all three of those. And my final assignment was in professional standards. And that's when uh, I got to work on putting a wellness program together for our agency. Um, and uh, we did a pretty good job. We got uh, recognized as the number one uh, wellness agency in the, the, the nation. So um, that was a, a good credit to us. Um, but, you know, my, my real passion, I really wanted to have my own department and be a chief. And so in 2018, um, I left the agency that I spent 28 years with and uh, ventured out. And uh, I'm a chief. I've been a chief for almost four years now. And uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fantastic ride. That's awesome. That's awesome. And where are you chief again? Uh, so I'm a chief in Sun River. And I did the majority of my work with the city of Bend Police Department, which is in right in the center of Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Right smack in the right smack in the middle of it. No, that's awesome. So you've had a lot of it, obviously a lot of experience. You've had um, what a lot of the guys called the good old days of policing. <laughs> right. Yeah, no kidding. Um, um, and, you know, we've seen over the last few years, especially, you know, police have had it, uh, you know, really, you know, been really scrutinized a lot. I think in the last probably in my eyes, the last five, six years, you know, it's been it's been real, real bad on policing. Tell me a little bit about your experience with, you know, at times, you know, I'm sure you've had multiple times, but times where you felt like, you know, you burned out and tell us also what you describe, you know, what you used to describe burnout as for yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. So I would say the first 15 years of my career, uh, it was awesome. It was just fantastic. I, I, you know, I couldn't believe that they were paying me to do the job. I love my job. Um, I spent a lot of time doing it. You know, I spent, Five years working uh, investigations, I spent the, the majority of that time working narcotics. And um, I just, I loved it. You know, there, there were days where we would be out working 24, 36 hours straight, you know, putting cases together, following informants. It was, it was just a, a perfect time. Um, but then, you know, you get to see the underside of society, right? You get to see all of the death all of the trauma, um, all of the child abuse. It's just, doesn't matter who you are. It's going to impact you at some point in time, you know? And I look at, I mean, I've been looking at, you know, we, we hire really good people in our profession, you know, and they're well vetted, physically fit. Um, they have good, strong morals. They've gone through psychological testing. We know they're good when they start, but what happens in their career when, they start getting into that burnout phase. And I, and I went through it too. Like I said, 15 years into my career, and uh, I started to show some symptoms of being on the job. Um, and like I said, you know, I was working nonstop. It, you know, the job was the most important thing. That, that's a red flag right there, you know. And on my off-duty time, um, I, was, I was chasing adrenaline. And I didn't see it at the time, but um, motorcycles, you know, sport bikes, rock climbing, snowboarding. Um, I got into triathlons, ultra marathons. Um, it was just, I, I was chasing adrenaline, red flag, but I didn't yep. see it. Right. Um, so eventually what happened is, um, I couldn't identify it, but everybody around me could identify it. And they're like, this dude's changed. He's pissed off all the time. He is, 
he's not the same guy. You know, my family recognized it. Um, just not a, a guy you'd want to be around. Uh, started drinking, uh, drinking a lot, drinking yeah. way too much. Um, it eventually led to my divorce. And I had to, I had to figure out what, what do I need to do to get back into the person that I was before. And um, it, it actually was a, an investigation that happened for me, or not for me, but I responded to, and it was a, it was a murder suicide. And um, I had to, after that, I got into counseling and I looked back over my career and there was a lot of things, there were a lot of threshold um, incidents that I was able to identify that I basically pushed out of my mind and didn't even think about it, right? Um, but going through um, the mental health treatment and working with my uh, psychologist, I was able to identify those things and work my way through them and get back to a place where um, I could actually improve my life and uh, be the person that I wanted to be and continue in, in the profession. And a lot of people don't get that opportunity. They, they get into a, a position where they're, um, they get into trouble, right? Um, internal affairs investigations, um, and they, they lose their job, they lose their, their marriage. Um, and in, you know, those cases, uh, they lose their life. They take their own life. Mm. And, um, there's, yeah, a lot of work to be done. There, there's a ton of it. And, you know, thanks for, thanks for sharing all of all those different things. You know, it, it's, it, it takes a, a real person to, you know, and I've interviewed quite a few, you know, officers and that, and their biggest thing is they're like, Oh, if I speak up then, uh, and I ask for help, then I'm going to lose my gun, which means I'm going to lose my job. Um, right. or, you know, over here, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get a stigma of, you know, not being able to get that job promotion or, you know, these right. different things. Um, did you encounter any of that yourself? I did, you know, and it's stupid, uh, because the time that I recognized I was a captain in the organization. And I was in charge of our peer support team. I was in charge of our wellness program. I was in charge of all of that. So I knew, yeah. I knew that there was no consequences for me to say, hey, I need help. Yeah. But you know what? It was there. It was in my back of my mind going, I'm going to be judged. People mm. are going to think less of me. The chief's going to fire me, you know? Um, and it's stupid. And it's, if you think about it, if you're in a foot pursuit and you break your leg, um, you feel the pain, you know, something's wrong. You go to the doctor, uh, they fix it. You're out for a period of time. You come back to work and every, everything's good, right? Nobody, nope. nobody ever says, uh, yeah, I'm not sure you can do the job now because you broke your leg at one point in time. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing with, uh, with, uh, mental health issues or, um, trauma. You got to work your way through it. It's an injury. That's all it is. Yeah. And you can get better. And when you come back, most of the time you're stronger because yeah. you have tools to deal with it. And uh, nobody ever gave me the tools getting into this career. Yeah. I didn't learn how to do this until actually I came off the rails. Right. So we need to do a better job. We need to change our culture. Mm. We need to eliminate the stigma and we need to make sure that our officers understand that this is a very hard profession. And uh, it's, it will take its toll on you at, at some point in time. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I talk to my younger officers and I ask them, 
what kind of training do you want? What do you what do you want to do to succeed in this career? And it's always the same. Uh, firearms training, defensive tactics training, emergency vehicle operations. You know, if it's black tactical, it's got Molly. I want it. That's the gear I want. And when I talk to the, the older officers in my agency, some of my sergeants, they're like, uh, yeah, I, I need wellness. I need help. How do I, how do I, how do I become better? Um, I'm, I'm tired all the time. I'm, you know, I'm, I don't want to come to work anymore. Uh, what tools can you give me? Right. So you've got the, the two ends of the, uh, the spectrum. And if we can give the tools to our young officers coming in to the job and they can maintain that and, you know, the goal is to retire and live a great life after this profession. And uh, that's, that's what we need to do. Right. No, I, I love that. And it's what I, it's what is one part of my business that I do, you know, along with the, the podcast is helping uh, officers, at least here at the moment in New Zealand to give them tools along those, along those lines. You know, I, I take them through a process. One, I tell them exactly how the job is going to be. I don't, you know, I don't fluff around. I go, this is what you're going to see and you're going to deal with. And yeah. it's the way it is. And we're changing a lot of it. Um, but some of the key things is, you know, that, that focus, that change that, you know, having that life balance as such, I don't think there's ever really a balance. There's not an equal to it. It's a matter of always just swaying back and forth. That, that pendulum goes back and forth always. But you hit it, you said something earlier on around the chasing the adrenaline. And I wanted to bring that up because I, I feel, especially as young males, it's always the Molly. The black, if it's black, it's got Molly and it's called tactical, tactical, I, I, I refer to it as. Um, yeah, tactical. Then, yeah, tactical, then I want it. And, you know, right. I was the same way. And, and, and I do, I believe that that's, it, it can be quite destructive because, you're not thinking about, as you said, your sergeants are like, I want wellness. Well, if we can be well and we can actually look after ourselves, then we can actually become that, that even better SWAT officer. We can become that, that, you know, have the Molly and actually be a much better, better officer, but it all does start before we even join in. And, you know, the focus, the taking care of yourself, the, the, the creating a purpose or a why and knowing that, you know, the amount of cops that I talk to that they're like, I want to help people. I was like, okay, cool. We'll go to the local shelter and you can go help a person. <laughs> yeah. That will get you so far. It'll get you Pat. It'll get you to your first, you know, your first drunken disorderly where somebody tries to smash you and then you'll be like, or the first dead body or the first advising job. And then after that, it won't get you much past that. So we'll talk about that here shortly, but what are some of the key things that you would, you know, you'd like to see officers learn before they even join, like, you know, in academy or, you know, as they're coming through, what were some of the key things that you think would be key to, you know, policing and having that longevity so you don't have that divorce, you don't have that, you know, that, that losing yourself, you're not adrenaline junkie, you know, just searching for that thrill, you know, it's fun, but if we're always searching for the thrill, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we're ever going to cure that, you know, no. just because most of the people getting into the profession, they're that type A personality. Yeah. You know, they want to go out there. They want to kick ass. They want to take names. They want to do the job. Right. That's yep. why I got into the job. You know, you yeah. want to drive fast and you want to hook people up. Yeah. That's Anybody who says do they don't, they don't get into the job because of that is lying. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, but what um, we look at it or what I look at it from a holistic approach, right. You have to look at the physical aspects of the job. Um, sleep, is huge. If you don't get enough sleep, um, you're going to go downhill fast. And uh, the majority of the officers out there, they don't get enough sleep. They don't, 
They don't know what sleep hygiene is. They don't know uh, what proper sleep looks like or how to get that. So you, you really need to do some education around uh, sleep. Diet and nutrition is important. We eat like shit, man. We do. We're out there on patrol and we're just grabbing food and, and just, you know, the, um, the sports drinks and some of these super high octane caffeinated no. drinks. They're just, they're, they're not good for you. And but also we drink Mc, the crap McDonald's out of is the only thing that's open at 2 a.m. <laughs> right, right. You know, um, exercise is extremely important. And, you know, I'm not talking about just going into a gym and hammering on the weights, right? Um, I'm talking about functional fitness, um, doing, doing exercise that's going to improve your ability to do your job. And that's one of the things we looked at with our wellness program is we looked at where are the injuries that our officers are sustaining. And a lot of them are knee injuries, back injuries, shoulder injuries, hip injuries, right? So uh, we, uh, we looked uh, to the physical therapist to say, hey, what can we do to improve the health and wellness of our officers? Um, and we gave them all the stats and all the injuries that we were having. And they came back and they said, you need two things. You need to have flexibility and you need to build strength. And so that's when we introduced yoga yep. to our department. Um, and I thought that was just, that wasn't going to go well. You know, cops in yoga, are you kidding me? It ain't going to happen. Uh, but it did. We started out small with a pilot program and it grew from there. And our officers loved it. You know, they're like, shit, I can touch my toes. This is, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then one of the things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and. We did this, you know, right at the end of uh, yoga, we would do uh, like a body scan. Um, and our officers loved that because it put them in a great mindset. So when they came out of yoga, put on the uniform and went out to do the job, they were in a better mindset to interact with the community and the public, right? Um, they felt better about themselves. They were calm. They were more confident. They were able to respond to high-risk calls and handle them better. So uh, yoga was, uh, it was, it was awesome for us. <clears throat> and then we added uh, functional fitness in there as well. So not only were they getting um, flexibility, but they were building strength and strength for the job. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, a couple of things that we wanted to do. One of the, uh, the most important things that um, I would like to explore more in the profession that um, we really haven't, I mean, it, it's fairly new for us, is meditation and mindfulness, right? Being present um, and being able to identify your awareness. You know, what happens when you get overly invested emotionally, right? When can you identify when you're you're in traffic and you're just getting pissed off at the guy that cut you off, right? You have to be able to take a step back and go, why am I pissed off? Why, why is this getting to me? And, and be able to have a better understanding of how you think, you know, you're thinking about your thinking. Mm. And some of the, the studies that I've seen in regards to neuroplasticity is mindfulness and meditation can actually reduce the chances of post-traumatic stress disorder, right? You can reduce the, the, the chances that that's going to be problematic for you. 
Um, so that's that's something that we're really trying to introduce and we're pushing it hard. And it's a tough sell for cops. It's a tough sell, you know, but I tried to explain it to them like I do with uh, with exercise. Right. You got to stick with it. If you do 10 push ups today, but you don't do 10 push ups for the rest of the month, you're not going to see any change. You're not going to see an improvement. It's got to be consistent. It doesn't take long, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But if you do it daily, religiously, you're going to see improvements. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm proof, you know? Yeah. And I, I love that because that's literally what I take people through, um, whether it be for becoming more productive in their life, which goes, starts with them. Uh, or whether it's, you know, the people that want to become uh, police officers is a huge part of my stuff is obviously the exercise training for everything that you've said um, on things. But when it comes to the mindfulness and, and, and meditation side of stuff, so many people think you need to sit in the corner and go mm, with meditation. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm a motorcycle guy. When you said motorcycles for adrenaline, that that was one of my cruxes that I used to use. It was I would seek the thrill of a motorcycle. And and so anytime I start to seek the thrill of my motorcycle again, I know there's something not going right in my life. I'm like, okay, well, what is going on that is causing me to seek this thrill again? Um, but I use motorcycle riding as a form of meditation. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's you, your helmet, and the road. And you, right. have to, you have to be present. Yes, you're focusing on the road, but you can still go through your thoughts. And so, you know, I'd say this to so many people, meditation can be the drive to work. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the outcome that you that you create. And then the mindful side, mindfulness side of things is one of the biggest things is the outcome that you want from any situation. You know, when we're when we're law enforcement, when we get dispatched to a call, you know, we we have an outcome that we're going, you know, we, we, we focus and we think about something before we even are there. You know, I remember going to a, um, we thought it was an attempted we thought it was just a, a car they were trying to gas themselves. Um, we thought that, you know, we got a call that the car steamed up at the beach. And we're like, as you do when you're an officer and trigger warning, possibly, is that, you know, you sit there and you're like, for, you know, for fuck's sakes, if you're going to do something, just do it properly. You know, let's just get on with it. <laughs> and so we we put that out there and, you know, our focus was there. And that was the outcome that we wanted. We got there and it was a lady that stabbed herself in the chest in her car. Oh, geez. <laughs> and Jesus, so yeah so when you think about it what we put out there we get and so with the mindfulness if we're constantly thinking about we want the thrill well then we'll seek it and we'll find it right. but if we want to stay calm and we want this job to last for a long period of time we need to uncover what we actually want from it you know right. we, we talked about the the thrill and the adrenaline side of stuff well yes but as we see from you know, when you just talk to a, a cop who's been a cop for 30 years that hasn't worked on themselves and you'll quickly go, I don't want to be that cop. Um, when we think about it and we create an outcome that we want, then we can start to focus on it. And that's where the mindful side comes in. The other key things that I talk about all the time with people is, is one, look after yourself. You yeah. know, how often do we, as cops, we don't look after ourselves, but we're there for everybody else. Like, exactly. You know, it'd be the number one thing that drops us down. Um, and then also it's, um, it's, it's, it's the, the focus and the why, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? And that kind of leads us into my next question for you uh, is, you know, why do you do what you do? I know my why is that I want to create less pain for myself and others to create the best versions of ourselves. Right. And, and I, I teach people to find that statement because I recognized after I left quite quickly, if I had had that statement, once I found it, I'd still be a cop to this day. 
Yeah, right. Because my whole policing career would have been surrounded around one, creating less pain for myself. So all the things that I would do would be first to create less pain for myself and then it'd be okay, everybody else. No, and I so love I would, that. That's great. I, in the beginning of my policing career, I would have, I, I know I, I did, I'd stick with domestics and I'd talk to the offender and I'd be like, why are you doing this? Why do we keep coming back? Right. To create less pain for him than his spouse, than everybody that it affects. But then I lost that because I didn't have that statement. Uh, what would you say your why statement is, Corey? Yeah. So uh, that, yeah, that's interesting. You know, I looked at, you know, what's my, per, uh, what, what are my principles? What's my passion? What's my purpose type of thing, right? Which kind of fits into your why. And so I, I do have, it's kind of what I call my ethos. Yeah. Right. And it's basically self, uh, selfless sacrifice. Um, as I strive for excellence in the service of others, right? Um, And in my pursuit of excellence, I will continue to improve myself so I can have a positive and lasting influence on others. And that uh, I will not cower to my insecurities and fears. Um, And I I think, you know, most cops, um, they don't recognize fear as much as maybe some other folks do, right? I mean, they they put on the uniform, they know what they're going to go out there and do. But if you throw them a curveball and say, hey, look, uh, I'm going to pull you in off of uh, patrol for today. And I want you to go to this community meeting. And I want you to get up in front of 100 people and give a speech, right? And they're like, I can't do that. I'm like, that's no way. No, hold on. I got no, right? I'll run towards gunfire. I'll run towards gunfire, but no, I'm not. (laughs) Right? So, you know, you have to overcome your fears, whatever the fear, whatever fear means to you, right? That's what I meant by that. And uh, I must first take care of myself before I can serve others. And then this last one, I stole from somebody. I stole it from Mark Devine. He's a Navy SEAL. And it's, I will strive to live in the present, resolve with the past and create my ideal future, right? Mm. Um, I love that. I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything better. So I stole it from him. So right. that's kind of my ethos, right? No, that, I, I love that. I love that. And, you know, as we talked about, I think I don't, we haven't really talked about it here, but um, the other thing that I, that I've recognized, and this is where the whole why thing kind of really concreted in was, you know, when we deal with our past traumas and our past experiences pre-policing, because we yeah. all have them, you know, we all had things happen when we were a toddler that our toddler brain still controls us and our interpretations of things. And Absolutely. so once we can release those, then we can actually um, we can actually take ourselves to the next level and we can police not from that toddler brain, but from our current adult brain. Um, right. And in turn, this is what I recognize is that our why actually stems from back there. So like your ethos would stem probably from some experiences when you were a kid that then has conquered things in. I know for myself, I've always wanted to create less pain. And mine stems from my dad going off to chiropractic school, me feeling abandoned, me feeling, and he would come back on the weekends. But just me as a four-year-old, that's right. what I interpreted. And so I had all these different things of judgment and self-sabotage and all this came from that. My why came from that. So in turn, I would prevent bullying. I would always want to be the person that everybody could depend on. I would, you know, I would, I would give everything that I could. I, I saw a train crash in LA actually happen, train, a passenger in a freight train. And that's what ticked me over the line of I'm going to join the police because I saw the cops creating the least amount of pain. And I was like... I want to be one of them. And yeah. so I started training the next day, two weeks later, had my eyes laser, like had a LASIK eye surgery to be able to went full on in. And, but I didn't recognize that statement. So what do you reckon yours comes from Corey? 
Yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I think it comes from, you know, I was always wanted to help people. And um, I'm, I don't know, I, I was the youngest of a large family, right? I was the kid that was always taken care of by, by my older siblings, right? And it may come from the, the fact that, hey, I want to give back. I, you know, they took care of me. Now it's my turn to give back, right? So I got into law enforcement to do that. I wanted to serve my community. I want to help other people. And now I'm in a position um, as a chief where I can really impact change, at least for my agency, right? And if I can expand that and I can I can help others uh, be successful in their careers, that's what my purpose is. You know, I want to help others succeed. I want them to be the best version of themselves that they possibly can and survive yeah. this career. Because I have I have mad respect for anybody that um, puts a badge on and goes out and does this job day after day, especially in today's climate. I mean, mad respect to anybody that does that. And if I can help them, I can give them any tools. That's what I want to do. No, I love that. I love that. You can see it. You can see it through everything that you've done through. You talk about your policing career over the last 34 years, and you can see that consistently through there. So if somebody's struggling to find that why, that, that purpose, what would you say to them? I would say, um, educate yourself, right? Um, one of the best ways to do it is find a coach. You know, if somebody out there can be a coach, a mentor to you that can help guide you, uh, that's the way to go. It's putting out a little money up front, but um, it's going to help you in the long run. Um, learn, read books, listen to podcasts, you know, uh, educate yourself on, um, on everything that drives you. What is your passion? And you might have to sit down and, and scribble, scribble that out. You know, what is it that drives me? What do I love to do? What, what is it that is my purpose in life? And once you define what that purpose is, you're going to be great at it. No, I love it. I love it. And I'll, I'll, I'll just jump on the back of that and promote myself. That's what I do. So I am here to help. If you want to, if you want help with it, I will help you find your why. It's literally what we do. Um, so, so Corey, what is it? What would, what are three things that you, you know, with your troops that you command in that? What is three things that you, you know, you 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 request of them or, or serve to them? You know, give to them in order to make sure that they are the best officers that they can be. What would be yeah, the top three sure. things? So, we bring in the best people we can for this profession, right? Yeah. Because ultimately, they're serving the the public. And we want, we want the best people we can to serve the public. They have, they have to know that that is the job that they're doing. Um, driving fast, shooting guns and all that, that comes secondary. You gotta be able to serve the, serve the people. Once you got the, the right people in place, you have to give them the training and the mentorship to succeed, right? So uh, training becomes the, one of the most important things early on in the career and give them as much training as you can so when they have the experience, they can apply the training to the experience and it comes together. Um, so those are, are two of the things. And then uh, the la lastly, it's, uh, it's mentorship, right? It's helping them throughout their careers. For me, anyway, it's helping them develop when they're basic police recruit all the way up to they promote uh, into their first special assignment or a supervisory position and just helping them progress in their career and keeping them, uh, keeping them health, healthy and well.
right? Yeah. Oh, I love that. In these days and ages, obviously you've had, you've seen all this kind of change over 34 years. I know policing was completely different back in the eighties than it is now, um, yeah. especially in the last couple of years with everything that's happened. What are some of the things that you say to people? Because I know getting burned out in law enforcement is so easy at the moment. You have everybody looking at you. You got the bloody telephones everywhere. I remember, you know, when I started, they were like, oh, watch out for the telephones. Now it's people literally will nag you and try and get you on camera for something. Um, sure. What do you say to people? What do you say to, you know, those, those, those patrol officers or the rookies or anybody, really, any of the law enforcement out there, or people out there, um, when it comes to that on how to to keep themselves in a, in a good state so that they don't react to those, you know, what's going on in society at the moment towards. Yeah. Um, keeping in mind what you have control over, you know, what do you actually have control over? And a lot of officers um, that I've seen, they really go down a bad road is they think that they have control over everything. Right. And they get pissed off when things don't go their way. Right. So it's the administration's fault because they're pushing down bullshit policies that are keeping me from doing my job, right? They don't control any of that. So why are they so pissed about it? Just do the job that you have and do and be, be in control of yourself and what you're doing, right? Um, don't pay attention to the news. Don't pay attention to the media. You have no control over that. Don't let that enter your mind, right? Be happy and focus on what is good mm. be grateful for the things that you have i mean in our society in our culture uh there are so many things to be grateful for yeah. and if you think about it in that positive light and keep the negative out of it that's how you're going to succeed uh, i love i love that so what do you do um you know to 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 reinforce the troops that you do care about them. Because I know that's one of the biggest things, you know, like you just said, it's the it's, it's the bosses, they're pushing things down to me. What do you do for the troops to make sure that they know that you, you know, you have, I hate to use it, the words that you have their back, but you know, that, that you, that you, that you're there and that you're, you're helping them out, that you're not just pushing these down, things down to them because shit rolls downhill as a lot of them say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. I, it's all about uh, relationships communication, um, and being there for the troops. You know, I see a lot of agencies talking about keeping their troops well, but I see a lot of just check the box bullshit programs that they're putting in place, right? Mm -hmm. They don't actually care about the troops. If you want to put a wellness program in there and you're a leader of the organization, you have to be down there with them. Mm -hmm. Go down there and do yoga, do the mindfulness with them. Be out there on the road. Go do a ride along with your troops. Get out there and see what's going on and see what they're dealing with and make those connections. So, you know, when you do have to push down a policy that may not be popular, at least you are able to connect with the troops and say, hey, I realize what you guys are going through. I see it on the street. I know what it is, but this is the why behind the policy. Mm. This is why we're going to have to do what we're doing. Um, so it's just having that communication piece, having that relationship piece with the troops, um, and, and truly being there for them and having their back. Uh, I, I love that because yeah, you're right. You don't see it. You don't see it like, yeah, you don't see it. in and, and, a lot of things, if you were talking to somebody, because how, how many, how many troops, how many people do you command in, in your department there? 
Yeah, so when I was with Bend, we had over 100 officers. Um, here, I've got uh, 12. 12, yeah. So what would you say to those guys, you know, that are commanding or, you know, what would your advice be to the guys, that the chiefs and that? And I'm sure you talked to a lot of them, but the ones that are commanding, you know, like big departments, like say like the LA's and the sure. New York's and the big, the big stations, you know, that have hundreds of, of troops, you know, in order to be able to, you know, obviously, you know, what would your recommendations be in that to be able to actually, you know, get in with the troops and, and understand what's going on so you can have that relationship like you talked about? Yeah, you know, from time to time, you have to get out on the street. And I know it's difficult. And I know that um, time is um, very valuable. I mean, they've got all kinds of stuff that they are doing on a daily basis. But what is the number one thing for an, in an agency? And that is the people that are doing the job, right? That's the number one most important thing. And you can get caught up in the meetings and all of, all of that crap. Or you can put your money where your mouth is and say, yeah, I, I really truly believe in my troops and I'm going to set aside a certain amount of time every week to get out there and touch some piece of my, my department on a ground level, right? Mm. And it, it may only take, you know, a half an hour of your time to get down there and sit in a briefing and talk to guys and actually hear what the conversations they are having about the stuff that they're dealing with out on the street. Um, but you got to put forth the effort. You got to put forth the time. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love, I love all the, all the, everything that you're saying, because it is, it, it, if you feel welcomed, if you feel like you're heard, then you will speak up as such. You will say the things that you need as well. Um, and then you'll also feel like when something does come down that, 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 that policy that you're like, uh, but you have that relationship there already. Um, no, nah, thanks. Thanks so much, Corey. Is there anything that you, you know, uh, before I ask, well, the last question I have for you is what would be your top tip to self-happiness? I'm sorry, repeat that. What was my what? What would be your top tip to self-happiness? The last question oh. I like to ask people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to this, this, this meditation piece. Um, happiness comes from within. Right. And I see a lot of uh, cops, especially our younger cops, they come to work and they drive the brand new pickup. They've got the boat. They've got the travel trailer. They've got I mean, it's retail therapy. Right. They got it all. But they're having to work a ton of overtime to pay for it. And it's always it's always that one more thing, that bigger house. that's going to make them happy. Right. They're always chasing whatever it is they're chasing. Um, happiness comes from inside. Right. And if you truly can identify your why or your purpose and you can follow that, that's what's going to make you happy eventually. I mean, that's that's the end goal, right? Oh, I love it. I, I love that. Any, um, any kind of words um, from you, Corey? Anything you'd like to add? No. Hey, I just want to thank you again, Chris, for what you're doing is extremely important. And uh, we're having the conversation and uh, the more conversations that we can have along these lines, uh, the more difference we're going to make, right? And uh, it's changing culture in, in our profession, first responder profession. And uh, that's, the, that's the ultimate goal is to change that culture and make, make it better. Yeah. You know, if we, we take care of ourselves and we're well, we can, we can then serve the public and serve others. No, I love that. I love that, Corey. It, it, it's so true. And it's what we say all the time is, is, you know, we do need to um, 
put it into practice, you know, as, as first responders, I was uh, interviewing somebody not that long ago. Uh, and he was saying, you know, we, we do a good evaluation on every scene and every situation we go into. We need to do good, do good evaluations on ourselves so that we can, right. you know, we, we can turn up to work and serve, serve the community and, and, and our people the best we can. And that goes for civilians as well. You know, this, this whole topic that we've talked about today isn't just about, you know, law enforcement or first responders. Yes, we've talked about a lot, but if you're a civilian as first responders call them, um, but you're not, you know, you're normal people not putting a badge on or not going into those high threat kind of things and that, um, you know, you can take a lot away from this. There is a lot of really good little tools in here that if, you know, if you think about them, you can apply them to yourself. Um, and so, so take just one thing away from today. Uh, and I do want to thank you, Corey, again. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to have, to have you here. I know you're a very busy man as well. I know how it is once you get to the top. It, um, I've, I've watched them. It's like, like you said, it, you know, sometimes you just have to make things happen. So I appreciate it. Um, and yes, it is a good conversation for us to have because um, it, it brings some reality to um, what it is that we all, um, all the police and law enforcement and first responders go through. Um, for those that are listening, Remember, you can always reach out to us. Uh, our email is team at createfromwhy.com. Uh, and we're happy to help out. We can help you find that why and that purpose um, that Corey talked about and that we've talked about. Uh, we can help you um, get in touch with Corey should you want. We'll also put his email down, down in the um, description below. Uh, but remember to look after yourself because at the end of the day, we only have ourselves to look after so that we can then look after everybody else. And um, yeah. Thanks very much again, Corey. I'll say it again. I'll, I'll reiterate it because I am I am honored to have you here. And um, yeah, thanks for listening and um, viewing and make sure you like, subscribe, and we shall um, talk to you guys all soon.